0: Christian, he's Jimmer. That was my echo call.
1: Welcome back to two physical therapists and a bag of chips. Eh, sort, of, sort of kind of chips, things like no chips. plant snacks. They're officially called
0: yeah, not chips.
1: Cassava root plant snack.
0: The uh, vegan cheddar.
1: Compliments of chip downer, Thanks, which nice is
0: chip. which is kind of. Uh, I, I can't think of. I can't think of words right now, but. um... It's Kind of odd that my buddy Chip gives us no chips, but yeah, plant snacks. Yeah, especially don't worry, I'll save my rant rant for later.
1: Yeah, but first, we're going to cover the tib fib fracture, also known as tibia fibula fracture, which is when both bones of the lower leg get fractured at the same time.
0: Should we once more point out that crack, fracture, break? all the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That is important to note. To so,
0: when you I come th- into the clinic and you go, so did you break your ribs? No, no, lucky. No, I didn't. I cracked them. Yeah. Uh, same thing. That is,
1: that is the same thing. Yeah. The one thing that would be outside that would be the, the stress fracture.
0: Still fractured. Just, Just not displaced. That's a good point. So, a fracture, a crack, a break, let's all call it the same thing.
1: They're, they're synonymous with Tib, each other. Tib So a little anatomy. The tibia is the bigger of the two bones. It's on the uh, inside or more medial portion. It supports between 90 and 95 percent of your body weight. The fibula is smaller on the outside. Maybe 5 or 10 percent of your body weight. Sort of varies depending on the study. The uh, fibula is important. has a lot of muscle connections. In between the two is something called a syndesmosis, which is the Thing that gets sprained in a high ankle sprain i think we covered that once yeah we did so we'll go we'll, we'll connect that that story here outside of that usually the causes there's two main types per the literature there's a low energy which is a twist or fall from standing height and then a high energy which is a fall from height speed or motor vehicle accident
0: yeah skiing 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 is high energy big one in skiing Yep. Courtesy of the inflexible boot. Yep. The ski boot did a great job
1: transferring uh, ankle fractures to to, to mid-tib, <laughs> fib fractures and then also to tibial plateau fractures and ACL injuries and knee injuries in general.
0: Yeah, well done ski boot manufacturers. Yeah, but
1: not a lot of ankle sprains anymore, so no, problem no. solved there. Right. Yeah, they did a heck of a job. Demographically speaking, most tib-fib fractures occur in males between ages 21 and 30. But, I mean, you see them all over the place.
0: I'm still kind so. of hung up on the ski boot. Can you think of anything else that is as uncomfortable and not as good as what it's supposed to do as a ski boot? Yeah. All right. We'll save that for a different. That, a tough, that's going to be tough. a. Uh, that's going to be a podcast on its own. The ski boot.
1: Well, let's put that out. We'll put that on the list of things to cover. Although, I mean, I'm a big ski fan, very much enjoy it. Learned to ski as a, a young and so I don't have the same experience as a lot of individuals. But what we definitely see often is individuals who potentially aren't as talented with skiing or they're early skiers, uh, twists and falls, very slow-moving tib-fib fractures in those cases. So yeah. the, the boot acts really nicely as a fulcrum, and uh, you'll, see, you'll see that fracture basically right at the boot line or, or potentially just a little above or below. Uh, the other alternative there is that tibial plateau fracture. That tends to be more uh, with some speed involved. Yeah, more you, impact, more axial yeah. or direct impact. So really slow speed twists and falls that cause fractures tend to be tib-fib fractures. If they cause ligament injuries, you tend to unfortunately see MCL and ACL stuff. Uh, but that's a story for another day. Uh, High-speed stuff, I mean, motorcycles are great for this, specifically those motor motorcycle boots, which are very similar to ski boots in terms of how rigid they are. Uh, they do an excellent job protecting the ankle, but they do transfer that load pretty high up into the shin again. Uh, so that's, that's pretty common. The tibia is the most commonly fractured bone in the lower extremity, which is also sort of an interesting takeaway point, which doesn't mean the fibula fractures all the time with it. And again that can be any form of tibia fracture. So you can see ankle sprains where you get uh, a little bit of bone to come off which they will consider a fracture as well. I mean it is a fracture of sorts but it's definitely different than like a mid-sh- mid-shaft fracture which is what we're really talking about here when we're talking about a tib-fib fracture. You will see unfortunately open fractures which is where the bone is, is sticking out a little bit. That, that does that does happen with these tib-fib fractures. The integrity of the lower extremity is completely removed. The most recently famous one would be Alex Smith, uh, which ESPN did a pretty interesting story and follow-up on. Also, interestingly enough, he got
0: cleared to play football yesterday or this week sometime. So, I think he got cleared last week to play, and then... The Redskins, or whatever they're called now, immediately put him on the Unable to Play list. see how it happened. Yeah, Unfit to Play, or whatever it's called. They're the Washington football team. That's right. Yep. The
1: no-logo, no-name, real-name team. But, uh, yeah, Alex Smith is another story that we'll get to in a couple minutes, but some some pretty high-energy trauma available in, in sports like football and rugby and You'll see it on occasion with it with a planted foot and potentially a slide tackle in soccer. Uh, I mean, sports injuries can vary so much just due to the high forces and the high speeds. But in terms of uh, treatment, if you have a, an open fracture, it tends to be a, an open reduction internal fixation. Hopefully, right, you don't go down the infection route with that sort of thing. Most cases, that's not very common, they're very careful with that sort of stuff. A closed fracture, meaning that the skin didn't break. Uh, generally, with that, they, they almost always have to go in and do the open reduction, internal fixation. If the bones have not displaced, they can do a reduction, an external reduction, and then an immobilization, which is nice casting. Other things you may see, which are a little bit rarer, but you'll see external fixation, which is like a pinning, basically where there's a big rig, a big scaffolding outside the leg. Uh, This is again something that you will see with Alex Smith. Um, They look crazy. They're pretty cool. It's it's definitely an external scaffolding. Looks kind of like the space station has been attached to your legs sort of stuff. It's, It's interesting. And then there's also something called a pericutaneous, which is basically like a wire. I'll go in there and wire up some fragments and pieces and bits and that sort of stuff to try to maintain as much integrity with as little fixation as needed. The other thing we see with this unfortunately and is something called compartment syndrome. We've spoken about that before, but compartment syndrome is essentially where pressure builds up either through, through blood or, or through other fluid that causes compression on the nerves, which then causes the nerve to die. Uh, The highlight symptom of this is what's called drop foot, basically where you cannot pull your your foot up towards you, so you can only push off. If you start to get that, you need to go to the hospital right away, that's a a long term concern. Compartment syndrome is uh, not that common, but it was surprisingly common when I was doing my clinical rotation up in Summit County. For some reason, compartment syndrome was much more prevalent up there. Uh, Also, we were working fairly often with skiing injuries and so tib-fib fractures and, and tibial plateau fractures were, were pretty common, and compartment syndrome was, was much more common than it should have been, unfortunately. Uh, DVT and, and pulmonary embolism, not super high risk or associated with tib-fib fractures, so nothing much to worry about there. Um, infections can be a problem, and then talking about Alex Smith, this guy pretty much almost died from an infection re- related to the tib-fib fracture they had to uh, do massive amounts of doses of, of antibacterials and he had some flesh-eating stuff going on. He had a number of surgeries, well more than than anybody should ever have to do. Uh, they ended up taking part of his quad and filling it in and skin grafts down on his leg. Interesting, if you're looking at it, at information on on a, on a really poor recovery from a tib fracture, go look up his documentary the ESPN did. Uh, pretty fascinating. In terms of recovery time for most people with a with a tib-fib fracture, most people, if, you know, it's non-complicated. Return to sport is about seven to nine months. It takes a, a bit longer than some other fractures because you tend to be non- weight-bearing afterwards for, quite a, for, for at least a period of time. You tend to see a, a fair bit of atrophy, uh, which certainly impacts not just sport performance, but then the ability to prevent another injury from happening. So in your mind, if this occurs to you, you know, it's going to take a little longer than six to eight weeks, um, like you might experience if you have a fracture uh, in your forearm or something like that, for instance, or even like a clavicle fracture, you can return to sport typically a lot quicker.
0: Still here. Yeah. Forgot I was in a podcast.
1: Oh, that happens from time to time. But that's all I've really got to say on the tib-fib fracture this week. No uh, no super interesting personal stories. People tend to do pretty well. You just have to, in some cases, let the healing take place a little bit and not get too anxious with getting back. Uh, depending on the type of fixation used, that really indicates just kind of how your PT can go. If you do a, an ORIF, we can usually start loading that pretty early. If you've got an external fixation, you can load it at some point, but it tends to be a little later. If they were able to just do a, a reduction and an immobilization, you're basically not weight bearing for, for a bit longer. Uh, as a result, that would indicate kind of where we'd go PT-wise from there. And in most cases, it looks like a lot of the other low extremity injuries in terms of recovery. Work on range of motion at the ankle, hopefully nothing too much lost there in the foot, and then uh, start strengthening and balancing and get going from there. All kinds of fun, yeah. Trivia time. Last week's trivia: What year was volleyball first played as an official Olympic sport? Even even with all the good hints we had given, no correct answers this week. I mean, Eduardo got it, but that doesn't really count, I don't think.
0: No, he's part. If you play volleyball, you should know
1: this. If you're part of the the episode, you know you you probably know. Right. So, but we had some good guesses. Tony Korea. The Breakaway Pt and Sean Horn—they all guessed 1960 something, pretty much. So.
0: 1960 something, pretty much. Not specific enough.
1: Yeah, pretty much somewhere in that neighborhood. So the year was 1964. It was the Tokyo Olympics, incidentally won by Japan. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. They—they uh, they beat the Russian ladies in the final. It was a bit of a bit of an upset. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't remember yeah. Uh, it. Yeah. I wasn't around yet. Even no. I wasn't
1: around yet. Wow. Wow.
0: That's how long ago it was. I
1: think of that. 1964, also the year the Beatles came to America.
0: Yeah. Name of the cover um, band. And um, what else happened in 1964? Was it the moon, moon launch? Was it the England winning the... World Cup? No, that was 66.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. I'm unsure. This week's question... Which U.S. state can be written using only one line of a keyboard? A row, row, one row, one row. We'll, we'll, we'll say row, one row of a keyboard. So this is a QWERTY keyboard, standard keyboard, nothing uh, English. I should say standard English QWERTY arrangement keyboard.
0: Yeah. So you can't look at your keyboard and figure this out. That's cheating. It's kind of, it's kind of, yeah. It's surprising how little you think
1: about where the letters are and how much your hands just go to them instinctively at
0: this point. Even for me, who never had any formal keyboard training. No formal keyboarding.
1: It's surprising. It'll get you. Sort of chip time now. It's k- kind
0: of chip time here. All right, Brand time. This is not a chip. It's, it's made, made from cassava root. Yeah. It says here, um, and the bag is torn here. So have to
1: yeah, the bag didn't open very smoothly, which is another knock.
0: They are vegan and free of the big eight allergens. And Christian, and I immediately went, how about like smoke, cat hair, dog dander? Um, But apparently those are not included in here. It's a plant-based eating made easy, convenient, and worry-free. I beg to differ. Even though it's non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, no added sugar, grain-free, corn-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and, tree nut and peanut free, it has lactic acid, which is really bad for you, as well as vegan cheddar seasoning.
1: I love the things that are just cheddar, that are like seasoning. Like you can, I mean, we've had chips before that are just, whatever the name of the chip is, seasoning. It's such a weird...
0: Yeah, it's not good. If you I know, feel like more needs
1: to be given in there.
0: Come, I You know, I, I love vegans, don't get me wrong, you know, you go vegan all you want. But come up with your own stuff. Cheddar was already taken. The dairy industry took that. Yeah. yeah so make your that. own thing. Don't like take flavors from others. Like tofurkey? Yeah. 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 Come up with, the, with your own tofu animal. Toad cheddar?
1: Right. That sounds not good.
0: Anyway, done ranting. Um,. We'll have to try these, right? So the
1: uh, the snack here is a square thing. It's made of a flour, so it's again extruded, which means it can't be called a chip, similar to the Pringle situation. The snack to air ratio, it's like 30%. I mean, these are pretty dense. They're sitting way down at the bottom of the bag. We will give it's, it a try.
0: Well, it's it's cassava, which is also known as yucca. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah. It's yucca. Yucca. It's probably gonna taste yucca. Oh, well done. I'm so there's a whirl. Yep. Um,
1: they don't taste anything like they smell. They smell, I would, I would say, kind of cheddar-y.
0: I will give them a cheddar smell. No, they smell like the bottom of my bed. They taste... Um, they taste like anything. They taste like plastic. The consistency is not right. It's... Uh,
1: They're not as grainy as I would have expected, given our history with other stuff.
0: Yeah, they remind me of a little bit of the what are the puffy the puffy chips, like you take two bites and it's all gone, like it melts. Like a Cheeto? Yeah, that one. Um, I don't I don't need to have any more. You can. Um,
1: I'm hoping to get something out of it, but
0: I don't even get the sesame. I'm hoping not to get too much lactic acid because I was cramping from building the fences. Yeah, and I'm
1: getting no rosemary here, extract at all. There's apparently rosemary in here.
0: Well, maybe they only. Have the extract in there, not the rosemary.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: Um, I'll go one thumb down. I'm gonna go two thumbs down. Two it's thumbs. it's up there as far as um, it's it's almost like cardboard, cardboard consistency with a little plastic. It's not. You know those those plastic cheddar sheets that, that, that Americans your, have, like they're individually single? individually wrapped. Yeah. yeah. You, so you know. There's no uh, dairy in there. No. Um,
1: No, there's not.
0: So it kind of tastes like that, like that plastic. Yeah. Um, It's not quite right. No. Sorry, Chip, Yeah, for not giving us any chips. No.
1: Well, thank you for listening today. Next week, we're going to cover MCL injury. We've never done that, so Hmm. we're going to do that. We're actually going to start a series, basically, on all the other ligaments in the knee. Perfect. MCL, LCL, PCL, they're all going to get their own episode. It's going to be great.
0: Medial patellofemoral ligament. We can do that too. Lateral patellofemoral ligament. You
1: know, down there. It's going to be fun. Nice. We're going to spend the next month and a half on the knee. We can easily do that. We are going to review Denver Chip Company
0: original flavor. Whoa. So like actual chips. Yeah. Actual
1: nice. actual real chips. I had a pretty long phone conversation with these guys. so. Perfect. we got lots of background information to cover there. Nice. Did they
0: give us free chips? No, they did not. Huh. Way to go, Denver Chip Company. Come on. Alas. Help some guys out.
1: If you like today's episode, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. If you want more information about tib-fib fractures, give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter throughout the week. Or if you're already following us, just stop by and check it out. Throw us some likes. If you want more information on Rebound Therapy, go to the website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.